0: Alright guys, uh, here we go, <laughs> it is, uh, what time is it, it's 4.55 in the a.m., and um, I'm going to do a podcast. Had a uh, long day yesterday, and by the time I got back to the room here, I was toast, so I said, screw it, I'm going to go to bed, and I'll get up uh, sometime early, and do this podcast. So here we go. Here we go. And I got the the GoPro going on over here. I may try and uh, put some video together. I'm looking at my hair though. Fuck. I'm looking at my <laughs> looking at myself in the mirror. I'm sitting in the hotel. Um. I didn't get a. I didn't get a Airbnb like I said I was going to. Um. I had some points left for my Hilton Honors rewards program. So I was able to get a hotel for the same price as uh, that I could have got the Airbnb for. So, you know, I figured what the hell, man, get free breakfast, got a pool, jacuzzi, um, you know, all the amenities and stuff. So I figured I should just do that. But man, I got, uh like some Kramer hair going on here but anyway what am I gonna talk about today well let's talk about it we um, of course are brought to you by the Keto Dojo you can go to Facebook look it up the Keto Dojo and um, just go over there take a look at it a lot of people are joining I can't remember what the number is now let's take a look I think we're uh, Somewhere over 400 still. We're at 417, maybe 19, something like that. I'm going to look it up. We're going we're gonna to look at it. We're at 417 right now. So get on over there. We're doing some good stuff. Uh just posted a, uh, a link to a new video that kind of does some good stuff. Uh, why am I looking at my phone? I don't even know. I've... I've posted a video earlier I'm not even seeing it anyway so the Keto Dojo get over there on Facebook Lulu.com yes I wrote a book I talk about it all the time um, it's all fun and games and tell it's over there at Lulu.com L-U-L-U.com, you can self publish your own works if you got something that you're working on a book a manuscript a uh, you can do a calendar you can do whatever you want Just uh, self-publish something, put it up on lulu.com, and the world can see it. So get on over there, check out my book, and put your own book up there. Write something, do something, put your life down on paper, and uh, put it up on lulu.com. Homegrown Brew House. I'm wearing a shirt. As a matter of fact, repping, repping it out up here in Boone, North Carolina. You can get on over there at Homegrown. They're doing an event on... September 9th I believe it is it's uh, beer versus wine you can get tickets uh, at the website homegrownbrewhouse.com I think that's the website God damn it I'm just it's tough doing a doing a show at 5 a.m. in the morning when you're not even uh, usually up at that time but let's type that in homegrown <laughs> homegrown brewhouse. Uh, yeah homegrownbrewhouse.com that's the website go over there you can get um, you can get tickets to the event let's look it up right now that's August we don't want August we want September oh, fuck they don't even have it on on the event calendar what the f- the hell's going on oh well I think you can go to the website I'm not seeing it right now you can go to um, probably go to homegrown brew house on Facebook and you can see it there for sure I know it's definitely there but the website I'm not seeing it on the event calendar for September but I believe it's September 9th it's on a Sunday uh, grays of Somerville Mike Karka. Uh he was on episode one Of the uh, podcast by the way go check it out listen to it Um, he's gonna be doing the food Uh, Vinny from accent on wine is gonna be doing providing the wine to pair with the food Uh, there's five courses and Caleb Taylor is gonna be providing the beer or pairing the beer with the five different courses of the the, uh, that Gray's is putting together so beer versus wine and what you're going to do is you're going to decide what you think worked best with that um, with the food that Grace is providing, that Mike is providing. You're going to decide whether you think the wine paired better with it or the, the beer paired better with it. So it's going to be a contest. It's going to be fun. So homegrown brew house. So, you know, I was driving up here to Boone. I drove up here a couple days ago. I guess it was Sunday morning. I'm, I'm driving down I-26 and there's some kind of, I don't even know what was going on because by the time I got up to it, well, it was a wreck. That's usually what it is, right? Because people can't drive. I don't know why people can't drive. I mean, I've been in a wreck twice in my life. Uh, one, two weeks after I got my my driving permit, I left the house there in somerville i was probably not even not even a mile away from my house i was in a i want to say it was a 1982 honda accord maybe it was a honda civic i don't remember what the car was it was a honda of some sort two weeks after i got my license my driving permit i'm a mile away from the house i am at a stop stop light there on bacon's bridge road and I look up in the rearview mirror, and this car is just barreling down on me. Bam. Runs right into me. So it wasn't my fault. I was sitting still. Uh, there was nothing I could, I could do. car ran right into the back of me and uh, just fucked up the car, man. I think it totaled it. I don't think it did. It did. And the only thing I was concerned about at the time <laughs> was because my dad's uh, golf clubs were in the trunk of the car. And, you know, the guy hit me in the back in the trunk. So I was concerned, really concerned, that my dad's golf clubs were fucked up. that was really the only concern I had. And they were not. They actually were good. They were saved. So that was the first wreck I was in, sitting still. I had had nothing to do with it whatsoever. The second time I got in a car accident, I was uh, driving back from uh, Somerville. I had come into town... I was living in Valdis, Georgia at the time with my family down there in the Air Force. We had come up to Somerville for Thanksgiving and driving back down I-95, I I guess it was. You know, traffic is just crazy. It was a Sunday. Uh, Everybody's on the road trying to get back to where they were or where they, they came from after the holiday. And the interstate was just jam-packed, and we were going down the fast lane. I don't remember what the speed limit was at the time, but I was probably going a little bit over the speed limit. I was following a little bit too closely to the people in front of me. But anyway, a car up front decided that uh, it didn't like the speed it was going or it didn't like what was going on. So it slammed on brakes. And just a chain reaction. Bam, bam, bam. I think I was the eighth car in the line and the last car in the line. So everybody kind of ran into each other. So I ran into the car in front of me because I didn't have enough distance, which I've learned since then that you, know, you got to put some distance in between you and the car in front of you because if that car slams on brakes or something goes haywire, you got to have enough room to brake and to stop. So... I did not at this time. I was 8th corner line. Uh, we all ran into each other, uh, tore up the front of my, uh, what was it, a 1999 Zuzu Trooper, I think at the time, white, beautiful car, tore up the front of it, got it towed, and of course uh, got it fixed, and the front end of it was better than it was to begin with. So it was actually kind of a bad thing and a good thing to be honest, so. Anyway, that brings back to my story. So I'm sitting in traffic on I-26, coming up here to Boone. And it's just funny to me, man, because you know, you're know you sitting in traffic. I was just, uh, I was in the slow lane, the the right lane. And people, even while we're stopped, I mean, we are at a dead stop. Every now and then we move like five miles an hour and, and kind of cruise along both lanes. And people are still weaving in and out of each lane. Even at a dead stop, people are trying to get somewhere faster. People are in such a rush. I just don't get it, man. I don't understand these these cars. I mean, I can remember at least two or three of them that I remember seeing. Uh, one was a, a brand-new white Corvette. There was another uh, a pickup truck. Um, at least those two cars, I remember Weaving back and forth for probably three or four miles that I can recall. They're going back and forth into each lane. They didn't get anywhere any faster. (laughs) I mean, just stay in the goddamn lane that you're in. Why do you have to, to weave back and forth? I don't understand it. But they're trying to get somewhere faster. They're in a hurry. They're not even going anywhere. I guarantee you they're not. All they're doing is going home or they're going to a friend's house. Or they're going. They're not going anywhere important. There's not a, a wedding they're trying to get to. There's not a funeral that they're going to miss. They're just in a fucking big goddamn hurry to get somewhere. And they got nowhere any faster than what I did, staying in the exact same lane that I stayed in the entire time. Um, it's just crazy. And then, you know, I look in the rearview mirror, or, or even in front of me, and I see these people. They will, they will veer off into the uh, into the shoulder to try and look ahead and see what's going on. What does that do? What are you going to accomplish? Are you going to get anywhere any faster by veering off into the shoulder and looking ahead? It's not going to help you. You're not going to figure it out. You're not going to get. Anywhere any faster, you're not going to be able to remedy the problem. All you're doing is looking ahead and making yourself anxious and giving yourself um, stress about what's going on up front. So veering off into the shoulder and and looking ahead is not going to help you at all. Just stay in the goddamn lane. Just fucking sit there. Turn on the radio. Turn on a podcast. This podcast, as a matter of fact, Craft Conversations. And just relax, man. Just chill out. You're gonna get where you're going. You're gonna get there eventually. It's not gonna be as fast as you want it to be um, because there's something going on. But veering off, changing lanes, all this stuff is not gonna is not gonna help whatsoever. Just sit there, relax, take a break. You know this is the time where you can just kind of reflect. You can kind of sit back and just think about some things. Just take a break. Just relax. Uh, My brother had actually written a story about this similar type thing. Um, I was in Alaska at the time. This was probably uh, 2007-ish, somewhere around there. But he wrote an article, and it got published in the uh, Post and Courier there in Charleston. About the same type of thing. Like, look, don't be changing lanes, don't speed, don't uh, do all these type of things because... You and I are going to get to the same place at the same time. You know, you're going to speed. You're going to be changing lanes. You're going to be blazing past people and, and going back and forth into the slow lane to the fast lane. And uh, before you know it, you and I are going to be sitting at the same stoplight ten miles from now. Um, you didn't get anywhere any faster by doing all this crazy shit, and you know you're going to cause a, you're going to cause an accident by doing all that, because you're, you're, you're being a crazy person, so just relax. I actually stole that story, and I put it in the Elmendorf <laughs> newspaper at the base. I, I, I pretty much copied the story. I pasted it into a Word document. I changed a few of the words, um, a few things on it, and I submitted it to the Elmendorf uh, Air Force Base newspaper, and it got published, and yeah, I stole it. I'm not gonna lie. I stole it, but anyway, um, as I was driving, I drove, uh, I was driving by Fort Jackson Army Base there in Columbia, and it just brought back a lot of memories, man. Um, for one, you know, that's where I joined the Air Force, that's where I went and processed for the Air Force, but for two, I was an Air Force recruiter in Florence, South Carolina for about four years, um, later on in my career, and Fort Jackson was, was the, uh, the base that I use for the MEP station uh, to put people into the Air Force. And MEPS means um, Military Entrance Processing Station. So MEPS, M E P S, capital letters. But driving by there it just reminded me that, oh man, how many years ago? This was 1992. I joined the Air Force. I had to go to the MEP station to process for the Air Force. And I almost didn't get into the Air Force, guys. I went up there. I'm going through all the medical processing all the paperwork that you got to do. You know, they test. uh, They look at your entire body. They strip you down naked. Well, you're in your underwear. You're not naked. Um, They look at everything, and one of the things they they do is you have to do a drug test. So you have to pee in a cup. I remember I went into, you go into this bathroom, and I don't remember how many urinals there are, probably 10 across. There was a, a... a line of tape in front of all these urinals and they you know they corral you in there uh 10 at a time or whatever how many saws are where i think it was 10 they tell you to pony up to this uh to this line on the floor to this line of tape and it's probably i don't know a good foot away from the urinal itself so you got to stand on this line they give you a cup. And you have to drop your drawers, and they want to see you actually pee into this cup. Uh, they have There's a guy that stands at the end of the line, and he looks down so he can see everybody's fucking wiener as you're peeing into this cup. So I get in there. I can't pee. I, I can't, you know, having somebody watch me pee into a cup is just not something that I enjoy. So, I could not pee. I told the guy, I said, look, I can't do it. Um, it's not going to happen. I don't have to go right now. So, I left the bathroom. He said, okay, well, you, you can come back one more time. So, I left a little bit later on in the processing. I said, okay, I'm ready to go to the bathroom. I go back into the bathroom. <laughs> I stand on the line. I got the cup in my hand, I dropped my drawers, I'm, I'm ready, I'm doing it. I can't go to the bathroom. I got a shy bladder, guys. Um, so I couldn't do it. The guy says, all right, you got one more chance. If you don't pee in this cup, you're not getting into the Air Force. This is your last chance. I'm like, what? My last chance? This is my chance. I gotta, if I don't do this, <laughs> my life is ruined. I can't go into the Air Force, so I, I go to the guy. Like three times, I think, and I say, "Hey, I think I'm ready, man. I'm ready to go to the bathroom." He's like, "Oh, I'm busy right now, man. I can't do it. Um, just wait a few more minutes. Uh, we'll get to you." And I know what he's doing. He was trying to make sure that I was definitely ready to go because this was it. This was the last time. Three times, third times a charm. I go back to him another time. I say, "Hey, man, I really have to go to the bathroom. I am ready. Please, can we do this?" ah, uh, no, man, we can't do it right now. I'm busy. I'm, I'm working with this other person. Give me just a few minutes. I'll come and grab you, and you can go to the bathroom in another minute or so. I am literally about to pee my pants. I mean, I have gone as long as I can, and I go to the guy again. I'm like, look, seriously, I'm about to literally pee my pants. If we don't go into the bathroom, I'm going to pee with or without a cup. There's no doubt about it. So, he finally says, okay, all right, let's go. And I go into the bathroom. He gives me the cup. I stand on the line, on the tape. Bam. I pee like a fucking racehorse into this goddamn cup. So, he did a good job. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. He made me wait, and he got me to pee in the cup. So, that's how I got the Air Force. (laughs) uh, I peed in the cup. But anyway... Just drive by Fort Jackson, just brought back some memories. I remember I did that, and I qualified. I got into the Air Force. I got my guaranteed job as a a physical therapy technician. And I went back the next day after I qualified. They said, you're leaving tomorrow morning. I said, all right, all right. Well, most people kind of go into the delayed entry program, and, and they're sitting around for two, three months. I'm leaving the next day, guys. So... I go home. <clears throat> I tell my girlfriend at the time. I talked about her in an earlier podcast. Uh, she was pregnant, my uh, high school sweetheart. I go home and tell her, "Hey, I'm leaving tomorrow morning." Sorry, hate hate to hate to hate to break it to you, and uh, tell my parents, tell everybody, I'm out of here, man. I'm out of here tomorrow. So my mom takes me back up the next day to the Mep station early in the morning. I finish up. Uh, Some extra processing that you have to do. I swear in, all that kind of good stuff. My grandmother, uh, my mom, and my Aunt Debbie were there. They all saw me off. And, uh, yeah, it almost didn't happen because I couldn't pee in a cup. But, so anyway, I get past uh, Fort Jackson. I'm driving up. I decide on the way up I'm going to stop in Rock Hill and go to a brewery there called Legal Remedy Brewing Company. And that's what I did. Uh, the place opened at noon. I think I got there somewhere a little bit uh, shy of that, or not shy of that, a little bit after that. I pull in. There's already a guy uh, playing music outside, so that's fantastic. So I pull in, um, I get there, I sit outside, I order a flight of beers, and I sit down and listen to some music. This guy, it's funny. The, the things that uh, touch you sometimes. It's funny the way things happen, but I'm sitting there at Legal Remedy Brewing Company and watching uh, Ward Buckheister of Soul Driven Train. And this guy's from Charleston, South Carolina. He's doing a solo gig uh, by himself. That's what solo means. Um, They're at Legal Remedy Brewing Company, but he's with a band, one of the, the founding members of the band, Soul Driven Train, Uh, He's just by himself. He's got uh, a little thing attached to a shoe that sounds like a, uh, uh, I can't even think, guys. It's 5 a.m. in the morning. Did I say that? I just woke up trying to do this podcast. It's a, uh, not a symbol. The fuck is, God, I can't think of my words right now. Anyway, he's got this little thing on his shoe that's making some music. He's got a little drum there, a little bass drum that he does some things with. He's uh, playing a guitar. He actually has a trombone as well. Got all kind of instruments going on. So he's doing some good stuff. There's this little kid. He's with his family. Um, He's sitting. Hey. Hello there, the man. What? Siri, calm down over here. Nobody's talking to you. There's a kid with his family, mom and dad. He's maybe four years old or something. I don't know. I don't know how old these kids are. I can't tell. But he's walking around. He's dancing and stuff. So I guess he's uh, he's four or five, something like that. This little guy is just enamored by what he sees and what's happening on this uh, little tiny stage that uh, that Ward is playing on. He's up there just dancing He's sitting at this table. I, I took a little video of it. He's sitting at this table, just watching this watching this guy play. And you can just tell that this guy is going to be a rock star one day. That he really wants to. That he's digging music. He's sitting there, just kind of playing the playing air guitar. Uh, he's dancing. He's spinning around. He's sitting on this table, just with his with his head and his in, on on his top of his hand, just looking at this guy like oh. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, four or five years old, man. This guy's just digging it. He's he's not drinking any beer. Obviously, he's not old enough. He is just he's got a coke and a smile, and he's having a good time. Um Man, he's asking his he's asking his parents for dollar bills. So <laughs> saw will go over to the table a couple of times, grab some money from his parents. He would go up to uh, Ward's little tip jar or whatever, he put money in there. He's just having a great time, man. I sat there probably at least an hour, and this kid was enthralled for an hour or more. I don't know how long he was there before I got there. He was still there when I left. So he was enjoying it, having a good time. Um, but, you know, just the innocence of the child, man. <clears throat> you know, these, these children can be anything they want to be. They can do anything they want to do when they grow up. And I just wonder sometimes, what is it that truly molds that kid? You know, is it, is it the parents? Is it stuff that happens during school? Is it stuff like this that he's seeing out at a restaurant, you know, watching this guy play music? What is it that, that truly molds a child to be what they grew up to be, you know? I joined the Air Force, I did that for 21 plus years, I was going to college before I did that, you know, I went to to elementary school, went to middle school, went to high school. What is it that truly molded me into the person that I am today? Was it my parents? Was it the the gang that I was in, you know, when I was in uh, middle school and uh, into high school? Was it the people that I worked with at uh, Pizza Hut when I worked there or at Beyond Video when I worked at the video store or at Ryan's Steakhouse when I worked at Ryan's Steakhouse? Was it the Air Force itself that molded me into the person that I am now at 45? What was it? What things throughout my lifetime molded me into the person that I am today? What is going to mold this kid And to the person that he's going to be, you know, is it his parents? Is it his grandparents? Is it the friends that he grows up with? Is it this Ward Buckheister of Soul Driven Train that he saw at Legal Remedy Brewing Company? I guess it's a melding of all those things, right? I mean, I guess it's um, a little bit of everything that you go through in your life. But I just wonder sometimes, what is it specifically? What happens during a man or a woman's life that puts them on the path that they go on just something to think about I had a a beer there at Legal Legal Remedy I had a flight I had an IPA flight of a bunch of different IPAs I'm not going to go through what they were but I did have uh, at the end I had a maple bacon imperial stout man that thing was amazing and when you first take that first sip of it you got the maple right up front big time maple hit uh, syrupy kind of sweet and then you get the bacon um, right after that it was an imperial style so it had a pretty uh heavy hit of alcohol to it not too not too hot you know that's what people call it hot on the alcohol hit, wasn't too hot, but you could definitely taste the the imperialness of it. And I was eating a meatloaf with that beer, and they both paired tremendously well together. So that's why I had at legal remedy. Um, <clears throat> on the way up, I was listening to a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts, guys. Just trying to get uh, trying to get knowledge, man. There's a lot of knowledge that you get on a podcast, but it's funny the podcast I was listening to, uh, they were talking about Joe Rogan. That's probably my favorite podcast um, out of everything I listen to. I kind of mimic or not mimic, but I like uh, Joe Rogan. I like Howard Stern. I'm a big fan of uh, David Letterman. so those are kind of the three people that I draw from for this podcast. Uh, whether I'm talking to a guest, you know, I take some of the interview uh, talking skills from Howard Stern and from David Letterman. <clears throat> but those are the three guys I, I try and emulate. I try and uh, I pull a lot from those guys. So, but this guy on this podcast was talking about Joe Rogan. He was talking about how the Joe Rogan podcast has almost become like a dictionary or an encyclopedia for information. I mean, people go to. The Joe Rogan podcast, or they reference the Joe Rogan podcast uh, when somebody asks them a question. You know, they say they'll ask them a question about uh, uh, ketosis or about um, float tanks or about marijuana or about uh, the UFC or about any of these things that Joe Rogan talks about. If somebody has a question about it. They say, "Oh, well, I heard on Joe Rogan the other day. So and so was on there, and he's a he's an astrophysicist, and he was talking about this, or this guy's a scientist, or and he was talking about that, or this girl is a biologist, and she was talking about this, and they reference this study, and they're doing all this kind of stuff." So everybody kind of goes by what Joe Rogan is saying because he has a lot of. Um, influential guests on there that are highly educated, that have the credentials to provide you the right information. So, what was I saying? Anyway, this guy was talking about, yeah, Joe Rogan is kind of like the encyclopedia for today. I mean, when you want to know something, you go check out the Joe Rogan podcast and you look through the guests and you say, okay, this guy's gonna talk about XYZ. i Y, Z. I'm gonna to listen to that and I'm gonna take that for what it's worth and that's where i'm going to get my information from so it's not like the news where you're watching fox news or cnn or something and you don't know what you're going to get you're going to get a biased take on something um that's probably not 100 percent accurate that it's it's got a biased stance on it either to the left or to the right you just can't trust it you know what do we call it fake news right you can't trust it most times well I trust, and this guy trusts, what he gets off of the Joe Rogan podcast. Now, is it always accurate? No. There's a, there's, there's some stuff. And, you know, Joe will come back on a couple of days later and say, hey, I fucked this up. I gave you misinformation. I said this. It's really this. Uh, something different. So, he'll correct himself. But um, you just don't get that on regular news these days. So, Joe Rogan podcast. It's a great place for information. And... I hope I can give you some information on this podcast, too. You know, we try and be uh, genuine. Genuine? Genuine. I guess it's either way, right? But, um... I don't know. You just get some authenticity on a podcast that you don't get on the daily news. And, And, you know, the daily news, all you're getting is negative goddamn stuff. I mean, at the end of the news, right, they'll put one positive story at the very last five minutes of the goddamn news. But the other uh, 55 minutes of the damn news is just negative stories about war, about uh, school shooting, or about uh, somebody dying, or a car accident, or whatever. Name your negative story. That's all you're getting on the news these days. So, um, damn, I don't even know what I'm talking about, guys. Where am I at now? I'm only 32 minutes in. Jesus. Um, I went to Mill Ridge today. I'm up here in Boone, North Carolina. I've talked about it plenty of times. Uh, we had a mountain house there in, in Mill Ridge. Used to be a ski resort. It's not a ski resort anymore. I went back there today to kind of reminisce a little bit. I went back to, to look at the house that um, I pretty much grew up in. Honestly, you know, we came up here a couple times a year for the most part, for most of the years of my life. And <clears throat> went back over there today, take a look. Still looks the same. Everything is, everything is the same. I mean, this place doesn't really change much. In the past uh, 40 years I've been coming up here, it's the, it's the same goddamn place. Um, I did notice there's not a, there used to be a giant, you know, sign on a, on a pole post, whatever, that would sit up high and you could see it from the road that said Mill Ridge, uh, ski resort or said Mill Ridge resort or it just said Mill Ridge, whatever. There's not a sign anymore. You know, I rode by and I'm like, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what this place is because there's no sign. But I knew what it was because I've been there uh, a million times, so I pull in, I go over and I check out the, uh, the old mountain house Still looks the same. There's uh, some people that live there permanently now. You know, we just had it as a vacation home, and uh, we would come up just periodically. We, meaning uh, myself or my family or um, my mom and dad or aunts and uncles, uh, people would come up and just use it periodically. So a lot of times it was empty. But these people live there permanently now. They stay there all the time. So um, I checked it out. Still looks the same. Uh, there's people out there playing tennis, people walking around. The ducks are out there in the pond, as they always are. I went over to the old ski resort, and you can kind of walk around over there now. It's It's got some, some trails around that you can walk on. Um, I just heard some people outside. I wonder if people are <laughs> wondering what I'm doing in there. What time is it now? It's uh, five twenty-nine. I'm probably making too much noise. People on either side of me are probably saying, "What the fuck is this guy doing talking at five o'clock in the morning while I'm trying to sleep?" Uh, so I went over to the old ski resort, and there, it's like a nature trail now. So the um, the the bottom and the top of the uh, chairlift are still there. They're kind of overgrown, you know, with plants and and uh trees and stuff but they're still there as a reminder that it was a ski resort there's a few um, chairs from the chairlift kind of sitting there and same thing just kind of overgrown uh, just a reminder of what it once was but um, you can walk around this the ski slope now on trails uh, the same trails that were there as as a ski slope but it's just a uh, it's just a nature trail now so it's kind of cool but while i was over there I come around, I I walked up the the Go For It hill, pretty steep. I walk around um, one of the trails that used to to kind of bring you around and bring you back into the bowl. And there's a house there at the bottom of the ski slope. It's kind of above the chairlift, uh, the bottom of the chairlift down there where you would actually get on the chairlift to go up to the top of the slope. There's a house there that, uh, one of the owners of the ski slope used to live there, the Pitts, and they had a daughter, Elizabeth uh, Pitt, that uh, was one of the first loves that I ever had. And I met her at Mill Ridge Ski Resort. I was, um, I was skiing one day. I think my parents and stuff were, were back at the house. I was up there in the lodge by myself, ran into this girl. I can't even tell you what, what age I was, but I was a teenager somewhere in the teenage range and i met this girl she had on uh, some ski uh, ski bib it was like a purple or blue maybe i'm not even sure i'm colorblind um i ran into this girl i don't even remember how we got into a conversation but we started talking to each other and next thing i know i was seeing this girl every time i came to the mountains for the next uh, i don't know four or five years she was my girlfriend <laughs> she I was hanging out in her house. We were skiing together. we were walking around. I even come up I even came up in the summer sometimes and I saw her. um They actually lived in Florida, but they came up just like I did um two or three times a year and stayed there at that mountain house and they owned the ski slope so definitely during the during the winter time they were up there operating the ski slope and uh you know overseeing things but yeah one of my first loves up in uh, Mill Ridge Boone North Carolina Elizabeth Pitts ought to look her up see what she's doing these days um this girl was just oh man (sighs) this chick was beautiful I mean wow probably probably uh, probably one of the I don't know I'm not going to say it but she was beautiful she was a beautiful woman um I had a great time with her. I wish I knew what she was doing these days. I'm gonna try and find her. It's gonna be hard because her name is not Pitts anymore. I'm sure she's probably married, she's probably got kids. Who knows what she's doing, but I might try to look her up. So that was my trip to Mill Ridge. Just kind of reminisced, uh, had some good memories. I went to Grandfather Mountain, like I said, I was going to do. I went up there and did some hiking. When I first got there, I went to the uh, went to the bathroom. I'm sitting in a stall. You probably don't want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, I'm going to the bathroom right before I go hiking. I had to kind of uh, get rid of some stuff <laughs> from the day before, and I had had a, a four shot espresso um, latte. So things were kind of moving. But anyway, I always go to the first stall because the first stall is usually the cleanest stall. You know, everybody tries to go to the the back stalls. They try and go um, to the back of the bathroom for whatever reason. They think it's um, a little more private, I guess. But the further you go back, the more people use those uh, back stalls and usually the dirtier they are. So I always go into the first one because it's usually the less uh, lesser used. Is that how you say that? I don't know. I can't even think, guys. It's, it's 5.30 in the morning. I'm usually not up at this time at all. But anyway, I go to the first stall. It's usually cleaner. Uh, studies have shown that it's a cleaner stall because most people don't go to that first stall. So I'm in there, and all of a sudden I see a shadow go by. Um, underneath the door, somebody's walking back to the, to the back stall. The back stall is the handicap stall. So he goes in. Next thing I know about, uh, 30 seconds, maybe a minute later, I see some wheels of a wheelchair and they come rolling by. They're going back to the handicap stall because that's the only place that guy can fit. He goes over, door's locked. Guy in there says, Oh, sorry, man. I'll be out in just a minute. Guy says, ah, don't worry about it. No big deal. Um, And I started thinking to myself, man, how many times have I gone into that handicap stall? I don't do it anymore because, like I said, I go to the front stall. But how many times have I gone into that handicap stall and not even thought about it? Not even thought that there could be somebody that's handicapped actually coming into the bathroom and needs to use that stall. And that's the only place they can go to the bathroom. Really. Uh, Logically, right? That's the only place they can go. So this guy now has to sit there and wait because somebody's in his stall and it's kind of selfish you know we don't really think about it but you know some people like just having all that room in the, in the handicap stall but they're taking away a stall from somebody that really needs it so this guy's in there i actually see uh, i come out he's still waiting um, I go out into the uh, gift shop area, and I'm just kind of shopping around and stuff. The guy comes out, the the wheelchair guy comes out eventually. He's missing both his legs. But um, I end up talking to him and uh, find out he as a former Marine. He actually got into a firefight in Iraq um, and ended up getting into an IED, which is a, an explosive device. I can't remember exactly how he said he got into it, but anyway, he had his legs blown off um, in war, you know, as a Marine. It's just kinda, it's kinda humbling. You know, I did 21 plus years in the Air Force, and luckily I came out with all my limbs and all my faculties about me but uh, you know this guy lost his legs you know serving his country and um, fuck he can't even get into a goddamn bathroom when he has to go to the bathroom because somebody's in his damn stall so I guess all I'm saying guys is if you go into the bathroom don't use the handicap stall there's no there's no reason for it there's no need to now if you go in there and that's the only thing that's available and you, you have to go to the bathroom of course do it get in, get out, but um, there's people that really need that handicap stall, like this guy that I met, Marine, lost both his legs, and Iraq, you know, a stupid war they're in right now that's still going on, that's been going on since the 90s, <clears throat> it's a never-ending war, and I don't even know what it's for, but don't use the handicap stall, guys, Is what I'm, is, that's all I'm trying to say. Um, so I get up there, I I, I finish with the bathroom, I go hike, I put on, I got a hydration pack on, Um, I woke up yesterday morning, my phone was dead, I woke up, I tried to look at my phone, it was completely dead, I didn't have a uh, charging cable with me, I left it in my car, so I didn't uh, charge overnight, but I got up, and I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to charge my phone. Um, I'm going to go phone free today is what I decided to do. So the entire day up until about five o'clock, I went with no phone. I didn't check email. I didn't check Facebook. I didn't post anything to Instagram. Um, I wasn't doing any texting, nothing. <clears throat> so anyway, I, I'm, I'm up here at Grandfather Mountain um, I had charged my phone, I'm not an idiot, you know, I wasn't going to go up on the mountain without having a, uh, some way of contacting somebody if I got into trouble or whatever, so I, I charged my phone, but I made it a point that I was not going to take away from my experience on the mountain by taking a ton, tons of pictures, by listening to music, by checking my phone every, you know, every mile or so. I just decided I was going to go off the grid. So that's what I did. So I come out the bathroom. I go up on, start my hike. And as I'm walking, I'm I'm walking down these trails, kind of running, walking. I'm trying to get a good workout in. Um, I keep seeing these signs that say, you know, don't walk over here in this area because we're trying to – we're doing a – a rejuvenation of this uh, part of the trail. People have walked over here and you know, kind of ruined the uh, the landscape and some of these things. Some of these, some of the plants, some of the the grass, whatever is it has died, and we're trying to rejuvenate it. Whatever, it's a rejuvenation uh, project. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> this whole, I mean, this whole trail, like the profile trail, goes from Highway 105. You can take it and hike it all the way up to Grandfather Mountain. Um, I'm not sure what the distance is on that, uh, four or five miles or something from the street all the way up to Grandfather Mountain. Um, The part of the trail I did today, I did a mile out and a mile back. But I'm thinking to myself, these people that own Grandfather Mountain, they forged this trail. They made a trail through these woods that people can pay to come up and hike on, why don't they care about that part of the trail? You know, that part of the trail is not being rejuvenated. It's being walked on all fucking day um, by people that are paying to walk on it. So they don't care about that part of the trail, but all of a sudden they care about this uh, part of the part of the off trail that's um, not on the, the regular path. They care about that as far as rejuvenation. I don't know. It just seems kind of funny to me that, That we have some sort of uh, rejuvenation program here on this mountain. Why can't I just walk wherever I want to walk? I mean, it's a mountain. Why can't I I go off trail and go wherever the fuck I want to go? Why are you keeping me on this one path that you want me to be on? that That you made me pay to be on? Why don't you care about that part of the trail? I guess is what I'm saying. It's just kind of funny to me. I don't know. It seems like it's just nature. I should be able to walk wherever I want to walk. Um, anyway, so I did the trail today. I did a couple miles. Uh, I ran the majority of it. I was sweating like a beast. And I did. I pulled up my phone a couple times because I wanted to, you know, I told my son before I went up there today. He called me and uh, I actually picked it up on my watch because my phone was dead. But I have a Apple Watch that I can still do uh, phone calls and stuff with. So he called me and I said, "Yeah, I'm off the grid today, man. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to even take any pictures or videos up on the mountain because I've been up there a million times. I don't need another memory of it. Uh, the memory's in my head, uh, like I talked about last podcast. But I ended up taking some pictures and some video um, because I had the phone. It was there. By the time I got to the top, to the to the crest of where I was going. I just said, man, I I have to take a picture of this. I have to take a video of this because it's just phenomenal. It's just uh, amazing. So I did that and um, yeah, I didn't stay off the grid like I had expected to, but I just had to uh, capture the moment and it was phenomenal. It was very cool. Alright guys. That's all I'm gonna say, man. It's fucking it's five forty three in the morning. I don't even feel like I'm talking very well. But I wanted to make sure I got a video out or a a podcast out. Um forty nine minutes in right now. That's all I got. That's my trip. I'm in Boone, I'm at a hotel, I'm at a Hampton Inn recording. And um That's it. This is the Tuesday release. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you soon.